again on my own here we go again on my own that makes no sense but uh, uh if you're listening to a podcast i guess it does make sense welcome to another day of potoween none more days till potoween it began already um <laughs> silver we are headed uh on this on this light note and on this wonderful uh fall day, we are headed to a memorial at a railroad crossing at a horrible, horrible disaster where a bunch of children died. I, I feel it's um, tradition, although it's not on purpose tradition, but it's kind of become tradition to like every pot of ween, whatever the theme may be, to do something that ends up being a little dark and inappropriate. Um, I think this started with the toy box murders, and there were, like, tapes that I played, and I was like, oof, this is dark. This is, like, the last thing somebody heard before they died, and now we're listening to it, and it's, uh, it's a little intense. And uh, so this year's is definitely going to be a tragedy where a bunch of children died. Um, I'll tell you the basic story. So, it was the 60s, it was December, um, and there was this area just outside of Greeley, it was called Auburn. Um, I think it's, it, at that time, I don't know if it was inside the city limits or not, but does anyone, does anyone care about that? Is everyone like, hmm, yeah, let's investigate that. That seems like the most important part of the story. Uh, a guy was driving the school bus. And, uh, you know, he'd been the bus driver for quite some time. He grew up in the area. And it was a it was a small, very rural area. Most of the people were, like, farmers and shit. They all knew each other. They all knew the bus driver. All the kids knew each other. You know what I mean? Um, and what ended up happening is uh, the bus driver was doing his route. And on his route, he had to cross over these train tracks several times. Um, now, this train, this particular train I saw at the time was cited as the fastest train in the world. Which seems unlikely to me, but, um, you know, whatever. I guess it's possible. It was, I think it would go like 80 miles an hour or something. I, I kind of always attribute that sort of thing to, like, well, maybe this is, like, uh, you know how when they're, like, it's the fastest train in the world, and they're, like, well, technically, uh, it maintains this speed of 80 miles an hour for the longest time. So it gets from its major stop to its major stop more quickly than other trains. So, you know, who knows? I feel like in Japan they had some kind of crazy bullet train that we didn't even know about. But whatever. It was a fast train. I got a fast train. Uh, so this train is coming blasting through, and it was late. Uh, it was behind schedule because uh, they'd had it taken extra time to load up the train at the previous stop because uh, there was a bunch of extra Christmas stuff, which is kind of ironic considering what happens. It's like, oh, holiday cheer. 
yeah, load that shit up, and then that makes us late. Um, it was foggy that morning, and the train was going quite fast because it was late, and it was the fastest train in the world. I think you could probably see where this is going. Um, so here's what happened. The bus gets to a railroad crossing. Uh, the driver stops. He looks out, but, you know, some of his windows and stuff are frosted over, and it's foggy, so it's not great visibility. He doesn't see anything, so he goes, and uh, the people on the train say they saw him going into the intersection, threw on the brakes, and they had, like, maybe 800 feet. Um, and it takes a train like that, you know, mile and a half, mile to stop when it's at full speed, at full brakes. So, you know, wasn't even close to stopping in time. Hit the train, killed like 20-some kids. I think it was 20, died, and then a bunch of others were injured. Um, you know, it was a challenge. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say my what I think, my sort of conspiratorial thing about it. And I did detect a note of conspiracy in the reporting, although it was very subtle, which is... Um, so, okay, it's a, it's a tough crossing. When you come up to it, um, the way the bus came up to it, you kind of have to look back over your right shoulder to see where the train is, right? And it's sort of in your blind spot and whatever. And if there was low visibility and some of the windows were frosted over, I could certainly see this happening. Um, I'm guessing that a bus was loud as fuck back in the day. And, you know, he probably had the heater blasting. And so it was, you know, the sound wasn't there, the visual wasn't there. Um, I don't really know that it's this guy's fault. As much as anyone can know that it's not his fault, you know, or, or guess. I'm going to make that guess. Now, something that happened that was sort of interesting is that um, the... So the people who worked on the train... Um, they had a, a court case after this, you know, to decide if this uh, bus driver was guilty of anything or if he'd done what he could do, and this was kind of inevitable. Several of the parents of the kids who died even kind of came out in favor of the bus driver because I think they all felt like we know him, he's extra safe. He had a reputation for, like, he didn't put up with any nonsense on the bus. Like, if kids were screwing around on the bus... They were kicked off the bus. You know, you couldn't ride the bus anymore if you were going to behave like an asshole. So I think they felt that he was a, a good guy and he did a good job and was safe. And, you know, this was a pretty small community. So it's like you could see the bus going to school. People would probably see if he was blowing through intersections on a regular basis and whatever. So what's kind of interesting is at the trial, um, the bus driver was probably a little too honest because they asked him if he specifically remembered stopping at the tracks and he said he knows he always stopped at the tracks but it was like such a routine for him it was such like a not think about it thing that he uh, didn't necessarily specifically remember doing it that day which is fair in my opinion because it's like well yeah I mean a lot of us if you commute the same way every day and someone's like, do you remember stopping at this intersection? You might be like, no. I mean, I assume I did if the re light was red. 
But, you know, have you ever done that? Like, I've done this many times. You're driving, you go through an intersection, and then you're like, was that green? I think that was green, but I, I don't know if I was paying attention, really. Um, so anyway, he said that. Now, the, the people on the train said that he didn't come to a complete stop and that he rolled into the intersection. Um, the part of the news story from that time that I thought was interesting and was sort of like questionable was that the reporter said, you know, made a big deal about the train guys showing up in their uniforms. Um, and so they were all up in their, you know, fine finery, (laughs) their awesome finery. They're more than fine finery. They're more than finery. Um, they're all decked out in their train shit. And, you know, we're definitely... I think the implication in the story was that they were, like, you know, doing the party line. And as you think about it, and as I read the details of the story, I was like, you know, there is something to be said here for uh, some negligence on the part of the train. And... uh I don't think it was as in vogue back then to be like, bring down the millionaires and stuff, but uh, we can do it now, right? It's 2021. We're into that shit. But, you know, at this point, it's a little weird because it's like, well, is the railroad (laughs) the millionaires anymore? Or are we kicking them while they're down? But anyway, um, sort of what's weird about it to me is thinking back on it. I was like, okay, A... They were going like 75 miles an hour through crossings that had no, you know, gates that came down or signal lights or anything like that. It was just a, a naked crossing, basically. So it relies totally on the people driving to make sure it's going. Going 75 miles an hour through that seems a little negligent. Not building anything there seems negligent, although I don't know at that time if that was like a common thing or not. But... Regardless, it seems a little tough. Um, then there's the, you know, they're going that fast because they were running late. So they're trying to make up time, but it's like a low visibility day. That also seems a little questionable, right? More than a little questionable. So you're going 75 miles an hour on a low visibility day through an area that has crossings that don't really have any signals or things like that. And you're passing through at the exact time that people would be going to work and kids would be going to school. This all combines to create a sort of a, to me, a challenging uh, narrative for the the train company. Because it's like, well, wait a minute. If you guys had done any one of these other things differently, um, wouldn't this have been averted? And, you know, when you look at it, too, you're like, well, you guys supposedly just saw the person in time, so you threw the brakes on. But if you, I mean, how far can you see in the fog if something's going 75 miles an hour? Can you even, is it even possible to know that the train is coming in time? And shouldn't the people on the train know that? And shouldn't they adjust the speed accordingly? You know what I mean? Shouldn't they be like, you know what? We're going to have to go slower because there's no fucking way if someone's crossing these tracks that they're going to get through. You know, especially a bus because it takes a bus obviously quite a bit longer 
to get through. So that's kind of where we end up, right? That's where we end up with this story as far as, um, I don't know. It, it just seems to me like the bus driver probably wasn't at fault. The bus driver um, survived, and several of the other kids survived. There's a newspaper, or there's a, a long thing. I think Rocky Mountain News did a long report about it and basically went over each kid and, like, where they were sitting and all that stuff. And we'll get to that in a, in a couple minutes here. But um, the driver was in the area for a while still, but, you know, he got, like, death threats and prank calls and all that shit. And so he ended up moving to California. And he seemed still fairly haunted by it, which, you know, who fucking wouldn't be? But, um, I don't know. I, I guess I, I wish that there was some more exoneration of him. You know what I mean? Going, going forward, just because I think that he deserves that. As much as, as much as I can't know or no one can really know, I do think that it's, like, reasonable to suspect that uh, he did the right thing or he did as right the thing and it was kind of like, well, look, anybody in that position probably would have made the same choice and got the same result. So it's a, it's a tough one. Um, as we get out there, there's also... So there's a memorial we're going to and we're going to go across the tracks. Supposedly, some people say that, like, uh, you know, if your car dies or is whatever struggling across that they felt like a force push their vehicle across the tracks the rest of the way like a ghostly presence it's like a bunch of kids basically a bunch of little kid ghosts <laughs> which is you know not scary at all are is a bunch of little kid ghosts scary even if they're doing something good i kind of think so right i think it's like eh yeah still scary sorry guys still frightened but um, I guess we'll see if we feel anything at that crossing, and then we will check out the memorial. All right, we just went over the tracks. Uh, I didn't feel anything, but you know, we were going along at a pretty good clip here. So uh, I don't know that I would have. Now we're on a uh, dirt road to head out to the actual memorial. All right, we're just in the car for a minute because there's a uh, harvesting going on. Um, so I'm gonna just read, read some names here, and read some, uh, some of the details. Let's see. Here are the twenty kids. Cindy Dorn, 11, and her cousin Linda Alice, 10, were carrying their brother, her brother's wrestling medal for show and tell. Calvin Craven, was, it was his 10th birthday. His sister Ellen was 8, and their cousin Jerry Baxter was 10. Kathy Brantner, 9, and Mark Bratner, 6, whose father found them dead, then went to work helping others. Jimmy Ford, 13, the cowboy with the square jaw. April Freeman, 8, the girl everyone called by her middle name, Melody. Kathy Heimbuck, 12, and her sister Pam, 9, who loved her pony, Dopey. <laughs> it's a great name for a pony. Steve Larson, 9, uh, who was a Cub Scout. Mary Lozano, 10, who went to find her purse at home before she got on the bus. 
Sherry Mitchell, six, who wanted to see her dad in the hospital instead of getting on the bus. Marilyn Paxton, 13, and Jan Paxton, 11, the sisters who love to dance. Bobby Smock, 10, a little cowboy with his own chaps. Linda Walso, 13, whose mother led the uh, 4-H group. Elaine White, 11, and her sister, Juline, 8. 16 other children, uh, some near death, were battered and bruised, but still alive. Uh, Nancy Aulis, 11, whose brother had gone to the dentist instead of riding the bus. Cheryl Brown, 13, who had a Confederate $5 bill in her wallet. Bruce Ford, 9, and his brother Glenn, 11. Joy Freeman, 10, and her brother Smith, 7. Randy Giesick, 8, who lost his holiday wrapping paper and one shoe in the crash. Jerry Hembry, 16, the oldest student on the bus. Alice Larson, 11, who'd swapped seats with her brother. Luis Lozano, 9, who had leaned over the seat to watch two girls color in a book. The three Munson children, Vicky, 6, Gary, 8, and Johnny, 9, whose father had dropped them at the bus early so they didn't have to wait in the cold. Alan Stromberger, 10, and his sister, Debbie, 7, and Jacqueline White, 14. All right, so now we're going to get out to the actual memorial. There's a big stone. People have brought many toys and coins and things. It's got all the names here. Um, that we just heard near this spot, December 14th, 1961 at 8 a.m. A passenger train bound for Denver collided with a Greeley school bus, ripping it in half, killing 20 children and injuring 16. This monument is dedicated to the memory of the children lost that cold morning. They shall never be forgotten. Um, so what I brought, because I was like, well, they're kids. Originally, I was going to bring lemon heads because they came out the year after the accident. And I was like, they just barely missed out on the fun of Lemonheads. But uh, I didn't have any at home. So what I did have, though, was 20 pixie sticks. So I was like, oh, that's, that's enough for one for each kid. And uh, it wouldn't be appropriate to pour out like a beer. But I figure pouring a, a pixie stick out on the ground for the homies is probably okay. I'm gonna go over to the side here, maybe, because uh, I don't wanna pour it all over these toys and attract a bunch of ants to the toys and shit. Go away. 